Hey, everybody. It is another great episode of Founder University, and we've got another great two talks for you. The first one is about investor updates, which are crucial. You will learn about how to effectively write an investor update, the important metrics to include that investors care about most, and how to maximize investor resources to help you with fundraising and hiring. And we have a little gift for you. We're going to share the template for these updates in Notion. You can view it at founder.university slash investor updates. After all that, we've got a great talk from our friends at Microsoft. You'll learn about CAC, customer acquisition costs, LTV, lifetime value, churn, and what these metrics mean for your startup. Also, how you can use these metrics to improve your performance by reducing CAC and increasing LTV. All right, let's get straight to it. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly. And in this episode of Founder University, the podcast, we're talking all things investor updates. I've been on both sides of the fence, and I've experienced firsthand how these updates sometimes feel like just one more thing on the to-do list. But I've also seen how investor updates have actually led our team to revisit a company that we initially passed on and end up investing in them. So let's dig in. On the agenda today, we'll cover the benefits to you as a founder and help you understand what the investor is looking for. We'll write an update together and I'll show you the template that we suggest founders use and then how to improve it. And we'll dig into how to maximize your asks. So first on the agenda is the why. I touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but let's make it more explicit. There are two main reasons why you write an investor update. One, you need to update your current investors and maybe get more money from them. And two, you want to land new investors. But there's a lot of other ways these updates can really benefit you. And I asked our portfolio founders what some of the benefits they've experienced are. And I have some answers that might surprise you. One, intros. One founder said their investor updates got them a half dozen super helpful connections. Often, you'll get introductions to experts that you wouldn't otherwise have an in with. And you may also get intros to potential hires, other investors, and even potential customers. Two, feedback. Another founder said that after sending one update, he jumped on a call with a potential investor who offered some feedback on his go-to-market strategy. And it really changed the trajectory of his business and helped him land a lot of customers and not go down a path that probably wouldn't have been as successful for him. And I've also seen technical feedback help a founder solve a roadblock that they've struggled with for weeks. And you can even ask for feedback on your desk or landing page, really anything at all that you have questions about, you can go ahead and get that in there and hopefully get some answers. Investors really want to be helpful. And feedback is a really easy way to get their help. Building relationships. Several founders told me that they landed new investors, including Launch, because of their updates. This is so powerful, y'all. Each said the investor was able to follow along after their initial call. And once they hit specific milestones that aligned with that investor's thesis, they reconnected. And that next call was less of a cold pitch and really kind of awkward overall, and more like catching up with an old bud, right? They've followed along, they have a bit more context, and you've built some relationship and rapport with them just by sending these emails out. Now, because there are so many benefits to you as a founder, you should start sending these updates out early, even before you have investors. And here's why. As investors, we invest in lines, not dots. Mark Schuster has a really great post that you should check out. 
And if you don't know Mark, he is a two times entrepreneur with successful exits, an investor and a blogger. And he's really widely respected in the startup world. He says, the first time I meet you, you are a single data point, a dot, only one reference point from which to judge. But investors invest in lines. So you need to use your investor updates to add more dots. Tell them the plan, show them the progress, and highlight the highs and lows. Remember, no startup is perfect. Startups are messy. And as founders, we get things wrong. Investors know that. Investors simply want to know that when things inevitably go haywire, the founder is going to be transparent and they're going to communicate early and often. And these updates are a super easy way to do that. All right. Now that we set the stage for how powerful updates can be, let's head over to email and write one. First, find a template. We have one available for you that we highly recommend you use as a jumping off place. And then you can always make it your own. You can find this template at founder.university forward slash updates. Then we're going to copy and paste it into Gmail. From here, I'm going to do my future self a favor and I'm going to save it as a template so I never have to go back to that web page and do that step again. From here, you're going to go to the three dots at the bottom if you're a Gmail user, click on templates, and then save this draft as a template. I've got one in here already that we'll use for today. Next, we're going to have all of the information that we need saved to one place so that when I come in to write this, I don't have to go on a hunt for the data points. This is what mine looks like. It's an example of a fake company that I hope to build one day called KidBooker that we'll use for the example. We have a subject line here that I always like to use. First, the month. It's December. Then the name of the company. This is really helpful so that if an investor doesn't immediately recognize your name, they have a little more context. And a quick punch up to the template that we have is adding a metric here. If you have something that's really interesting, go ahead and add it. Try to get their attention and get them to open the email. Sometimes email doesn't get opened. It's just a reality. And if you go ahead and include something really interesting, it's more likely that they're going to take a few minutes, open the email, and skim through. And now for the body of the email. Always personalize the emails for as much as you can. You're going to want to use a CRM and probably do a mail merge, which will make this really easy for yourself. We'll do a deep dive on this in another episode. So check back. Always, always, always start your email with a high level overview of your company. At launch, we preach having a one simple sentence that explains your business in simple, plain English. Then punch it up with things like, how much do customers pay on average? And how many paying customers do you have? This will really help to give context to the charts and data below. And it'll refresh your investors. So if they don't immediately recognize and remember every detail that you told them on that call six months ago, they'll get on the same page very quickly. So for our example today, you can see my simple sentence here. KidBooker is a marketplace for families to find and book kid activities. We charge $5 per booking to the parents. We have 965 paying customers. Awesome. Next up, key metrics. Now, again, this is where having one spreadsheet with all your information is going to make this go very, very quickly. So we want to include things here like revenue, spend, burn and profit, cash on hand and runway. I won't go through each of these, but I do want to show you how I like to format them. So revenue, you can see I have here. I can copy and paste that over. And in my spreadsheet, I've also calculated the difference. And this is really helpful, again, just to add a little bit of additional context. When investors are looking at your update, they're trying to figure out which direction your business is trending. And giving it to them without them having to do that work and that math themselves is a very easy way 
to get them on second base and hopefully get them interested in taking another call with you. Now, for the sake of time, we won't go through these next ones, but you want to go ahead and fill these out in the exact same way. Next up, charts. We have a few key metrics here that we think are important to include. Things like revenue by month, customers, pipeline. But depending on your business model, you may have some others here as well. So again, for the sake of example, I've got some charts here that we will go ahead and include. Again, things like revenue and spend and number of bookings. So for me, this is what I would include in this section. Okay, I've added my two charts here. Again, for you and your business, these probably won't be exactly the same. You'll want to know what's important to the type of business you have and the investors you're talking to and really keep these updated along the way. One last thing on charts, always include several months of data, at least a year if you have it, and definitely as much as you can. Again, the idea here is an investor is going to look at this, maybe at a context, maybe on the way to the airport or on the way to dinner or in between meetings, right? And they want to be able to quickly digest this information and figure out, is this company in our sweet spot, our Goldilocks zone? And if so, I want to talk to them. If not, how close are they so I can keep them in the back of my mind? Next up, CEO report. This is just a quick one to two sentence narrative on how the month went, any highs and lows. And I really prefer when I get updates to see the highs and lows as bullet points. In general, bullets and context like graphs and charts are much more powerful than paragraphs. So I've got a couple examples here that I will include. My first is my quarter over quarter growth. That might not be something that I report on every update, but at the end of the year, it's a really interesting way to look back and to see where you landed. And in this case, things look really good. Now, we don't just want to focus on the positives. Being able to communicate things that maybe aren't so great is really helpful for, or for founders and for investors to know that when they give you your money, when things go south, you're going to be on the phone with them quickly and make sure that that money doesn't just fly out the window. So include your lowlights. Really focus on anything that is negative or maybe hasn't gone so well for the business recently. Here, I have a couple examples. We let three team members go. Two sales, one customer support. You don't have to give a lot of extra context. If that's something the investor wants to dig into, they'll give you a call. You can jump on, answer questions over email, however they prefer to do it. But again, make sure you're giving enough that they understand what the problem or the low light was. You had to let some folks go and enough context what teams those folks came from. Another example here might be, hey, we tested a new social media strategy and it failed. We spent $2,500 and the results were flat. More on this below. Again, you don't want to overshare. You don't want to write long paragraphs. Investors are not going to read them, right? You want to keep it short, keep it quick. And if they have questions, they will come back to you to dig in further. I promise. Team. At a high level, investors want a general pulse on the business. Are you hiring? Are you firing? Now, we touched on this a little bit above, so we don't need to go into too much more detail. But again, we do want to include how many full-time staff we have, how many 1099 or contractors we've got, and again, the change so that they can see a little bit of history there without having to go and dig on their own. Now we're on to product. It's really important to include any product updates or findings. And what I see sometimes with founders is they'll go into a ton of detail, especially if they're more technical, on little mini updates and, and things that they tweaked and changed that maybe aren't really that important in the big picture. And so what I always recommend is, especially if you do have a really big update, go ahead and include a video or screenshots so that the investor can quickly see what's changed, what it looks like, and Decide if they want to go ahead and dig in further. 
As Jason would tell us, make sure you are showing, not telling. Again, videos, screenshots, anything like that is going to be really helpful here rather than paragraphs. Awesome. Two sections left. Marketing. Once again, we're talking high level. Give the highlights. What are you testing? How much are you spending? And what are the results? You want to include the things that worked as well as the things that didn't. Sometimes that's even more helpful for investors to see. I've got a couple examples here that I'll include so you can see what the fully finished update looks like. Okay. I've added my chart here that shows the channels, the CAC, and the conversions. Again, enough information that they can understand what's going on, but you're not giving away the baby and your secret sauce. And again, I want to add a little bit more context here because in my low light, I did say that we were testing and trying. So I'll add a little bit more context here. Google Ads were expensive and didn't convert solid leads. We spent... $2,500 and turned it off. We'll revisit when we have an expert available. One more punch up is to add links or videos to anything that you think is really helpful. And in this case, it's something I really want to show off. We had a TikTok that went viral. I'm going to include a link to it. Nobody likes to open an email and immediately have sound blaring at them. But you could also embed it here as well. And last but definitely not least, we have got our asks. This section is so powerful. And one of the things that I like to do to set myself up for success is during the month to include any of my asks in, again, that same spreadsheet where I've been saving information for myself. This way, when I get busy and I'm trying to rush to get the investor update out the door, I'm not going to miss these pieces. And you can see a couple examples here that I have added. And I want to talk a little bit about how to supercharge these. So for example, rather than saying, hey, we're hiring, send folks my way. That's not really helpful to an investor. It's really open-ended and it's not going to speak to anybody immediately and make a light bulb go off, right? So what we want to do instead is say something like, we're hiring a full-time front-end developer. We are a remote team working on Pacific Time. You can find the job description here. And if you know anyone, please have them email me directly or apply here. And make sure you include links. Another great option for supercharging these asks, I actually learned from Jason. And it's super simple. Rather than saying something like, we just opened our wait list, click on my website and sign up to get added. What you want to do is keep them in that email and take away as much friction as possible. So say something like, hey, if you'd like to join the waitlist, reply here with waitlist me and I'll report back on our expansion plans for 2023 in my January update. Now, you've done two things. Again, one, you remove the friction and you made it as simple as hitting reply on an email to go ahead and get the result that you wanted. And two, you're telling that investor that you're going to update them on your next email. And that is so critical. Again, this is all about building relationships and being able to say that you're going to do something and then following through will help you build that credibility with the investors you're trying to win over. And here's a few additional examples of asks that you can include. And these are real examples that I've seen come across from founders and seen replies happen. So you can ask for investor, experts, and even potential customer intros. You can ask for help finding vendors for a specific thing that you're looking for, or maybe finding someone cheaper. And you can ask for feedback on things like design, UI, 
dev help when you get stuck, go to market strategies, marketing. A lot of the folks that you're going to be emailing have really incredible experience. And a lot of times, things that were a lot of times they weren't investors to start. They had another path before this. And usually they're going to be happy to help you as long as they have a clear ask and a clear way to help and support you. So again, be very specific and take away as much friction as possible. And I bet you'll start seeing results. Now, we've gone through the entire template here, but I have two more punch-ups that I think are really helpful that I've seen work well for founders. One is adding a thank you section. It really almost gamifies this for investors. We love to see our name in writing, and it makes me want to be helpful again. Two, include links to previous updates so investors don't have to go back and search for those when they want to dig in. Again, the overarching idea here is you want to get an investor's attention and you want them to have questions and to dig in further. So as soon as they're ready to do that, make sure you've got everything possible at their fingertips so that you don't lose them. And adding the links to your previous updates is going to be a super simple way to make sure you don't lose them. Great. We've got the start of a really solid update going here. Now, I've also done the work of including my month over month growth in my chart. So I don't actually even have to do this work. I can just copy it over. I had 10% growth month over month. So let me go ahead and include that. Now, again, take a look at how impactful that is. December update, Kid Booker, 10% month over month growth. That's a pretty interesting email for a, an investor to want to open up. Great. I'm going to leave you here with what we've built. It is a really solid base to help you get through these investor updates quickly and easily. And here's the final thought I'll leave you with. We all know the investment landscape has changed. It's harder to raise money. And writing updates and building relationships with investors can lead to funding down the road. And in turn, not writing updates and going back to your investors once you need money is not a good strategy. So do your future self a favor. Send thoughtful updates to your investors, to your mentors, advisors, and team. You never know who will connect the dots and start seeing lines. Hey, Founders University. I'm Rick Tarosi, and I'm here in, on behalf of Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub. I'm really excited to be here when I got the opportunity to join. Uh, I said I absolutely want to talk about CAC, LTV, and churn because after working with startups for 25 years, these are some key metrics that I think people really need to track and understand to drive their business, whether they're raising venture capital or not. But first, I wanted to share a little bit about Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub, which is a resource for founders like you. It's absolutely free. It's for founders from the idea stage on, and it provides you with things like Azure credits, access to LinkedIn, GitHub, as well as the expertise and mentorship of folks from Microsoft who are willing to help startups and founders like you build the companies they want to build. You will find as a founder that it's not only about having a vision for what you want to build and an idea for a product that you want to build, but you really have to learn a whole new language for the industry. Whether you're going to raise venture capital or not, you'll hear a lot of different terms that are thrown around, and you'll have to learn this whole new lexicon of how to speak to people in your community. So what I wanted to do was help you with a few of these terms that you're likely to hear if you haven't already and help you understand the definitions and expectations of people using those terms. Let's start with CAC, or Customer Acquisition Cost. CAC is once you've built the product, it's the cost to get somebody to use that product. So it could be things like advertising, it could be the time you spend on Product Hunt or Reddit, 
Um, it could be just the engagement required to get somebody to adopt your product and start using it. And the reason it's important to understand this is because you need to understand how much capital you need to hit the types of user metrics you want to hit. So if it costs you $100 in advertising to acquire a customer, then it's going to cost you, obviously, a thousand times that to reach a thousand customers. And that will help you understand the types of resources and financial backing you need to build the startup that you want to build. Some companies have very, very low CAC. They may have good word of mouth, or they may be able to buy some cheap advertising to get customers on board. Other companies have very high CAC, so it could be like an enterprise play or something along those lines. There's no right answer to what your customer acquisition cost is. You just need to know that metric so you can balance against it. Now let's talk about lifetime value. LTV is the way you'll hear people talk about it. And lifetime value is how much value you're able to derive from a customer using your product. So many times that's revenue. Um, could be direct revenue, subscription revenue from a potential customer or from an existing user. But it could also be things like on freemium models, the advertising revenue you're able to drive by having that customer on your platform. So you want to track all the ways that your customers create value to understand that metric of lifetime value of the customer. So with CAC and LTV in mind, what you're really trying to do is increase the delta or increase the differences between those two elements. What you want to do is work on driving down your cost of acquiring customers while you're driving up your lifetime value of customers. And the beauty of this is this is where you get to get creative with your company. I think so often founders think of these financial elements as simply, you know, input metrics that you get. But the reality is this is where you really have the opportunity to change the trajectory of your business. So look for ways to drive down the cost of acquiring customers. Like, can there be a referral program that, that lowers your cost? Or can you find different ways of promoting your product that lowers your cost beyond just spending advertising dollars? Look for those kind of ways to drive down the CAC. And at the same time, look for ways to increase LTV. So you could increase LTV by getting creative with your pricing structure. Maybe instead of billing people month to month, you look at some annual billing opportunities, or maybe you look at certain discounts that increase the likelihood of people spending more money with your company. Also, you can look at things like product features or product packages to increase that lifetime value of the customers. So continually work that CAC against LTV to ensure that you're in a good financial standing. Now, it'd be great if every customer who showed up at your product wound up staying there forever and ever and ever. But fact of the matter is that rarely happens. So we also want to talk about churn. The idea of churn is that your customers are going to use your product for a set period of time. And then there's a high likelihood that they will either stop using your product or stop paying for your product. That's what we're talking about when we say churn. So let's say you have 10% churn on your product month over month. You're losing 10% of your customers every month. So that means you not only have to replace those customers, find another 10% of customers, but you also have to increase above and beyond that 10% every month if you want to keep growing. So looking at churn is a really good way of determining how you're going to balance your cost of acquiring customers, what the lifetime value of those customers are, and how long those customers are likely 
to stick around. So the balance of churn and LTV is another place where you can look to increase the difference or increase the delta between the two. If you can drive down churn or keep churn consistent, then you have a better chance of increasing the lifetime value of those customers and the experience that those customers have with you and your product. So again, look at ways to get creative. How can you retain people over a longer period of time? How can you prevent them from leaving? Is it more features? Is it new ways of using the product? Is it education on different ways to use the product? Think of ways to lower your churn and and at the same time, increase your lifetime value. And then the final term I'm going to throw out there is, is something that describes all of these metrics. And you'll often hear people talk about levers. What levers can you pull to change the trajectory of your business? So when you think of CAC, LTV, and churn, those are all levers because those are things you as a founder can influence about your business to change the trajectory, to lower the costs, to figure out what kind of financial resources you need to build the business you want to build. So in a recap, CAC, you're always trying to drive that down. You want to drive the cost of acquiring customers down while at the same time you're driving up lifetime value. And then finally, there's churn, where if you can even understand churn, that's a benefit. If you can decrease churn, that's great. But at least an understanding of all of these metrics will help you better manage your company and tell the story you want to tell to potential investors. So that's it. CAC, LTV, and churn. Keep those in mind, figure those out, continue to monitor those, and uh, also make sure to subscribe to Founder University for more insights like this. And of course, we would love it if you'd come over and join us. We always like meeting new founders. If you'd like to join Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub, you can come over to aka.ms slash Founder University. Thanks, everyone. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. And if you want to see more tactical content, be sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. If you want to rate and subscribe, that's great. And if you've got an idea right now, and you're inspired to build an MVP, or an idea that you want to build into an actual company, just apply to my 12 week course founder university at founder.university slash apply. It's free to uh, come to the founder university if you come to all 12 weeks. And we invest $25,000 in the top graduates to help them grow even more. Again, you can apply for the upcoming cohort founder.university slash apply. And if you would like to give a tactical talk here on this pod, you can submit your presentation at founder.university slash submit.